Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way. Love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, as you can see, I am, well, maybe you can't see because we're not on video, but maybe as you can hear, uh, it sounds kind of vacuous today, our self-coaching talk, because my daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, is absent. And as much as we shall miss her this week, and she will be back. So let me begin today with what I might call the genesis of my self-coaching philosophy. In every child's life, there's insecurity. No child grows up in a perfect world, has perfect parents. No child escapes illness, separation, divorce, all kinds of problems. Another word for vulnerability is, of course, insecurity. So we don't have wings to fly away or, or claws to protect ourselves. We, we are vulnerable creatures. So we have to learn to protect ourselves. One way we do that is by compensating insecurity. And that's where control comes into play. We compensate by trying to figure out how to avoid, sidestep, handle, manipulate what's coming. So if you are in an insecure situation, a fundamentally insecure environment, your insecurity is going to initiate a desire on your part to seek control. Keep in mind that when we feel insecure, we find ways to be in control. That makes us feel less vulnerable. That may sound, uh, you know, kind of a good thing. You know, we, we find ways to stay in control. However, it's, it, it is a good thing, you know, when you buckle seatbelts and take vitamins, that's, that's a good and healthy way to stay in control. But when you start to see danger in safe places, when because of reflexive insecurity, you tend to become overly guarded against life and anticipate, you know, those worrisome problems that may or may not happen. So an insecure person is always trying to find ways to be in control. And they develop strategies of control. Starting at a young age, we develop strategies. These strategies can be useful, but when they become kind of habituated and they start ruling our lives rather than we ruling our lives consciously, when our habits of insecurity and desire for control become more or less dominant, then, then we are kind of passive victims of our own insecurity and attempts to control life. Whatever problems you have, whatever struggles, let's, let's take a look at how a self-coaching approach to solving your problems might, might spell out. So imagine yourself sitting in front of a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. So you ask yourself, well, where do I begin? Well, you might begin by looking at the picture on the box. Maybe it's a, let's, let's imagine it's a seaport. Some, some kind of fishing uh, image with boats, a pier, 
a few small shacks, and there over to one side, you notice a bright red rowboat. Ah, you say to yourself, that's it. That's how I'll begin to assault this puzzle. So you begin to sift through the juggle pieces until you spot one with a splash of red. Put that one together with the first, then another, and so on and so on. So you look for that focal point to begin finding the answer to your puzzle. Only instead of looking for a bright red rowboat, I'm hunting for telltale expressions of, yeah, you guessed it, control. If you learn to look for patterns of control as the focal point to understanding your struggle, then rather than being confused, you'll be on your way to solving the puzzle that has become your life. So let's understand our own need to control because then we go from being passive victims of reflexive, habituated control to being actively steering our own lives and deciding whether the stress of trying to control life is really worthwhile. So you may think trying to control life is a wonderful thing, but imagine that you're a juggler. And let's say you have three or four or five controlling strategies. And we'll get into some of those controlling strategies or patterns in a minute. But let's just say each one of those balls represents a controlling strategy. And you have, say, five or six dominant controlling strategies. And you're juggling and juggling. And as long as your juggling is working, yeah, you're feeling pretty good. You know, because you are avoiding that loss of control. And as long as you're avoiding a loss of control, control, you're in a stress-free situation. So life goes on. But what happens to a juggler who's actually juggling all those balls? Well, lactic acid builds up in your arms. And eventually what happens is you become fatigued and the balls come crashing down. And that's, that's what we euphemistically might call a breakdown. That's when you start to suffer symptoms of anxiety, depression, panic. It's when our controlled juggle fails us, when we are left vulnerable without the means to protect ourselves from the loss of control. So it's imperative to understand that your control juggle, you know, especially if it's intense, uh, it's not natural. You see, to control life is really not a natural thing to do. We can't, you know, it's, it's just impossible to ultimately control life. We have to live our lives and flow along with it, but when we insist on controlling, it's like trying to control the wind. We're trying to control the current of water pressing against us in a stream. Inevitably, you're going to lose. So the person that's invested in controlling life is expending a lot of energy to control life. And the energy that you let's call it stress, because the stress energy begins to form not lactic acid, but a kind of mental lactic acid. It begins to wear you down. The stress begins to get to you. And like the juggler, as the balls begin to fall down, so do your defenses. And you're left there, in a sense, naked without defense. What do you do when you don't have your controlling strategies? Let's take a look at the more common expressions of control. I'll start out with the yes, but. Yes, I didn't get that job finished, but I couldn't help getting sick. A yes, but strategy allows you to sidestep responsibility. You know, you do that by first feigning blame. Yes, I took your money, only to sidestep it with a rationalization 
but I wasn't stealing it. I was just borrowing it. Uh -huh. So if you're impervious to criticism, you're in complete control. And that's what yes buts do. You take some responsibility, but then you relinquish responsibility. Yes, but. How about the have tos? I have to be the best. Or let's take, uh, I have to lie. She would never be able to handle the truth. Have tos are compulsive strategies. They're designed to help you control others and life. You know, once you become convinced that you have to do something, then you can eliminate doubt. And that makes you feel in control. You know, doubt will initiate a feeling of out of control. So the person that's riding on have tos is feeling more or less convinced that they have to do something. Therefore, there is no doubt, no stress. How about worrying or what ifing? What if I fail? Or what if she says no? So worry is an attempt to eliminate doubt by trying to know what's coming before it arrives. In spite of the fact that no one knows the future, you keep telling yourself that you can just figure out what's going to happen. That is worry. You'll be able to brace yourself and be more adequately prepared if you are worried enough to figure it all out before it happens. And worry creates stress. Now, all these patterns of control create stress because you're trying, remember what I said, you're trying to control life. And controlling life is not natural. We cannot control life. We have to learn to live life assuming that we can handle life, that comes from developing that self-trust muscle that we talk about in self-coaching. And if you have self-trust, you're willing to believe that what comes around that corner, you'll handle it. But the controlling strategies are not part of self-trust. The controlling strategies come about because of lack of self-trust. And it's the lack of self-trust that promotes that intense desire to control life. Can't take chances. How about the I can't? I can't handle that job. Or uh, how about I can't relax? When you say I can't, you're giving up in order to feel more in control. You see, once you conclude that you can't, then you've just excused yourself from any struggle or possible failure. So if you avoid failure, well, you're in control. So the controlling strategies make you feel in control. Yeah, and they're transient though. You don't remain in control. You have to keep staying in control. And that's where we keep stressing and stressing, trying to control life. How about the guilts? I have to go. She'll be mad if I don't. Guilt is, it's a powerful emotion that keeps you from going against someone or something. You're trying to avoid feeling that you did something wrong. And if you allow guilt to pressure you into doing what's expected, then you maintain control by avoiding conflict. But if, on the other hand, you do go against someone, guilt offers a repentant, often anguished reaction meant to restore control. I'm sorry. I never, I'll never do that again to you. So guilt is another vehicle that offers a bit more of a handle on feeling in control or getting back in control. How about black and white thinking? Black and white thinking is 
well, what we might call all or none thinking. Never is there any gray or middle ground. If you could convince yourself that something is either black or white, then you're done. Case closed. No more discussion. You are in control. And you can see why black and white thinking can be a very powerful controlling strategy. It's very nice to live in a world where everything is either black or white. No doubts. No loss of control. Speaking of doubts, how about doubts themselves? Maybe I shouldn't call her. How do I know she won't be angry? Doubts act as a break, trying to postpone, avoid, somehow protect you from perceived danger. You're trying to control by slowing down and not being too hasty. Inertia is safer than making a mistake. So doubt is a way of dragging our feet, sitting on the fence, not wanting to make that mistake. And even though it, doubting is a stressful place, it is less stress, stressful, excuse it's less stressful than feeling that getting off that fence may be catastrophic. So you feel more in control, although stressed, but less vulnerable. How about shoulds? Shoulds are similar to have-tos. Both are compulsive strategies by which you attempt to control life. Shoulds are more closely related to guilt and social expectations. I really should be nicer to her, or I should go to the gym. So it also takes you off the hook. You know, if, if where you are in the moment isn't the right place, for example, I should go to the gym. Uh, you can feel more in control by making that should promise to yourself. You know, I really should go to the gym. So you're not really going to the gym, but by telling yourself that you should, you're more or less giving yourself a pass for sitting on the couch right now. How about name calling? I'm such an idiot. You know, putting yourself down is a cheap way of excusing yourself from conflict. I mean, after all, you can't really expect an idiot to handle life. So, so, it's, so it's a way of, you know, just putting yourself down or excusing yourself, limiting yourself, uh, because, you know, then you're, like I said, you're off the hook. And all these strategies of control are meant to get you off that hook. As is, let's look at the next one. How about not caring? I don't care if I upset her. You see, not caring is a form of denial. If you can insulate yourself with callousness, you can remain in control, even if you mess up. I, I don't care. And if you really believe that you don't care, or if you make yourself believe that you don't care, then you're feeling more in control and, again, off that hook. Hostility. Hmm. As far as I'm concerned, you can go straight to hell. Hostility repels. By pushing someone away, you create an insulation between you and that person. And being insulated, well, it's being in control. Bullies of all types. You've often heard it said that bullies are basically insecure people. That's why they bully. 
But hostility is a little bit more than, than being a bully. It's, it's really using hostility as a controlling technique. It's being abrasive. And, you, and you've probably met people with abrasive personalities. By not letting people get too close, by pushing people away, you create a veneer of protection. And that feels like control. How about lying? You know, why take any responsibility when you can control others by lying? If one reality doesn't suit you, just create another one with lies. I mean, words are cheap. We can create any illusion we want by lying. Yeah, I, uh, I used to be an astronaut once. Or, yeah, I have that degree. We can make up anything, as long as you don't get caught, of course. But by lying again, you've, you've now got yourself off that acute hook where you may be challenged in the moment, and you've given yourself a pass. Words are cheap. How about manipulating? People are malleable. Yeah, a little white lie here, a bit of coercion there, perhaps some feigned hysterics. These are all useful tools if you're trying to twist someone to your will. If you can manipulate others, you control them, and thus you control the situation. You know, this is kind of the, uh, in the extreme, it's the sociopath, and where everything is about manipulating or treating people as objects, twisting people to your will. And it is a very shallow person in terms of emotional depth, but typically uh, manipulators are rather effective. You know, they learn the game of manipulating others. You know, it's kind of like a being uh, in sales. You know, you have to learn to play that game of just twisting one's opinion. How about mountain out of molehill generalizing? Generalizing is an attempt to prepare for the worst. If something is catastrophic and you anticipate it, then you're not going to be unprepared. You know, it's all about being caught off guard and unaware. You know, if the world is ending, you damn well better know about it so you can get ready. So generalizing, especially the mountain out of molehill generalizing, you know, it's, it's a way of feeling in control because, you're, you know, we, we like to kind of say, well, what's the worst that can happen? And you're telling yourself, if I can prepare for the worst, then I'll be feeling more in control. Let's try one more. Fatalistic thinking or doom and gloom control. You know, with mountain out of molehill thinking, yeah, I mean, you're at least trying to prepare for and defend yourself from adversity. But with fatalistic thinking, you've already concluded the worst and you throw your hands up, becoming victimized, powerless, and impotent. You can feel a sense of control when you don't have to struggle any longer. You've given up. And again, that excuses you. If you think about it, most of these controlling strategies excuse you from the responsibilities of life, but they're all generated by insecurity. These are the balls of the control juggle. And regardless of which ones that you use, uh, they do require effort. And especially to sustain the effort of using these controlling strategies. So you can begin to compile your own list of controlling strategies. 
your unique controlling juggle. It helps to visualize yourself with the, you know, the several balls of a, of a juggler in your hands, struggling to juggle these tendencies in your life. I mean, you might, for example, react to one situation with charm and manipulation, another with hostility and aggression, while another time with isolation and withdrawal. All are controlling strategies designed to protect you from life. The life your insecurity has convinced you that you can't handle. So not everyone has all these controlling strategies. I mean, like I said earlier, it, it depends on where your dominant strategies are, your go-to strategies. It's not that you can't use these strategies in a less, less demonic or nefarious sense, but be aware if it becomes your modus operandi, if this is how your, your personality is being hijacked, uh, because controlling life, going back to what I said earlier, is not natural. So if you want to control life, let's just take worry, the most ubiquitous, ubiquitous of all controlling strategies. If you hand yourself over to becoming a worry wart, then worry begets worry begets worry, and your life now is stressed beyond comprehension. You're living in an anticipatory world where everything is going to be chaotic. So these controlling strategies, when they become intense, they, they do require a sense that you are trying to do the, the impossible. You are trying to control what can't be controlled. So you're driving more insecurity, you're driving more stress. And what does stress do? Well, aside from the physiological downside of stress, and we won't get into that today, but stress inevitably wears you down. So stress depletes. But we do know from understanding the brain chemistry of the neurotransmitters that keep us emotionally balanced, norepinephrine, serotonin, dopamine, that with stress, think of it as a bucket, and you have these, these balancing chemicals in, in that bucket. And stress is like poking holes in the bottom of that bucket. And our balancing chemicals can now begin to drip out, drip, drip. And as that happens, we start developing deficits. So anxiety, depression, panic, moods, these are all examples of what happens when we start to deplete ourselves mentally, the fatigue of mentally fatiguing ourselves, and physically. So in order to restore our balance, we have to start plugging up those holes. And one way to do that is to realize how much you are trying to control your life rather than living your life. Now, this brings us to a very, very worthwhile conclusion today. And that's that controlling strategies can work. They can keep you going. You know, it's like putting oil in your car. If it has an oil leak and every so many miles, you put in another quart of oil and you go another 10, 15, 20, 100 miles, put another quart and another quart. Yeah, you could keep the car humming for a long time, but the stress of putting in oil all the time, of having to stop and do that, the arduous battle against this leak. Well, this is what happens with stress. This is what happens with insecurity. This is what happens when instead of understanding the, the root of the problem, which I'll mention in one second, instead of mentioning the root of the problem, you're, you're putting in not oil into the car's crankshaft, or wherever you put oil, 
it's it's more or less just using more and more control strategies to keep your your car your your psyche humming so so do keep in mind that i guess it's a good, pretty good metaphor that yeah you can keep that car running forever but you got to pay the price you've got to put the oil in the car every so often quite frequently sometimes the leak gets worse and sometimes the oil you put in doesn't work sometimes your controlling strategies and your depleted state are just enough to keep you balanced are not enough i should say to keep you balanced and what happens we do have a breakdown of sorts so you're not a car but you do keep feeding the oil of controlling strategies in order to stop the leak the leak has to do with the insecurity that pokes holes in the bottom of that bucket. So we're not going to replenish the bucket artificially, as we would put oil in a car. We're going to plug up the leaks. And by plugging up the leaks, it would be like plugging up the crankshaft or whatever it was in the car, so you don't have to keep putting oil in the darn car. <laughs> and the way we're going to plug up the leaks of insecurity-driven thinking in your car, in your psyche, is to recognize that it's all about insecurity. Now, insecurity is the genesis, the bottom line. It is that which provokes all of this need to control, all of the stress, all of the controlling strategies. It all emanates from insecurity. Okay, so insecurity is that state of vulnerability. And there are two ways to handle that state of vulnerability. One way is through the controlling strategies we're talking about today. And that is the temporary relief that we get from feeling in control. And the other way is not to abandon control because there is good control, but, but to realize that the reason we cling to our controlling strategies is primarily because we don't have enough self-trust. and. This is the core of self-coaching. You see, self-trust is a willingness to believe in yourself. Now, you might say, well, how do I know? I mean, I may fall flat on my face. Well, yeah, that's a possibility. But I always remind people, you know, you are, you are a survival machine. How many problems have you solved in your life? Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands. And you're here. You've gotten through each and every one. Maybe you got bloodied up a little bit here and there, but you're here. You've made it. You get through. You find ways. You survive. And you have to come to realize that controlling strategies are a wimpy strategy. It's, it's really feeling like you don't have what it takes to handle life. So you lean on control. And, and as you lean on control, and like I said earlier with worry, Control begets control. The more you try to control life, the more, the more emphatic you become about trying to control life, as opposed to letting go of control. So what's the mantra? Well, the mantra would be letting go and trusting, self-trusting. Trusting is a willingness to believe. You've handled many, many problems in your life, but you've got to find out that you can do it again. You know, we went through the, the various strategies of black and white thinking, doubts, shoulds, name calling. You can give all that up, but you have to risk finding out that in any given moment, 
you have the instinctive, intuitive muscle to handle the challenges that face you in that moment. How often have you prepared and worried and anticipated, and then you get into the situation and you forget everything you were preparing and anticipating, and you act spontaneously? So with spontaneity, with self-trust, you begin to develop muscle. Now, maybe it's going to take some time to, to you know, kind of be in that fast lane of just letting life unfold. And maybe you might feel a little intimidated. So go slow. Start with small challenges. But make sure that you give yourself a chance to find out what happens if you don't worry about something. You see, I know worrying is almost superstitious, for example. Oh, if I don't worry, something bad's going to happen. Well, try it. See if something bad happens. Now, if you're insecure, you probably just thought, as I said those words, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know about not worrying. Find something that's not monumental in your life that you're worrying about and insist on not worrying about it and just telling yourself, I'm going to let it unfold. I'm not going to anticipate. I'm not going to worry what's going to happen or how I'm going to handle it. I'm going to let it unfold. And I'm going to see if I survive. Now, if you have that kind of bravery, what you'll find out is that lo and behold, in the spontaneous moment, whenever that challenge confronts you, you'll do okay. You'll get through it. And this is what you need to find out. You need to find out that you can rely on trusting yourself, but you have to risk finding that out. Now, it's going to feel risky at first. Oh, all right, so it feels risky. But to develop the self-trust muscle, you have to exercise it. So like I said, find small challenges and don't sidestep them with any of the controlling strategies that you're used to using. Every once in a while, just don't let yourself do it. Find out that you can risk trusting yourself. Once you develop your self-trust muscle, then all these controlling strategies are superfluous. You don't need them. You see, at that point, you can live your life in the present, in the mindful present. You can let life unfold, and you can handle it spontaneously. Why? Because you'll know you'll do okay. See, that's what trust it's all about. It's the understanding and the agreement that you'll handle what comes your way. It's profound. And it releases you from stress. And if you are neurotically involved, if you are in depression, uh, you have to understand the thoughts that sustain your depression or the thoughts that sustain your anxiety have a lot to do and all to do with control and self-distrust. So I wish you well. I, I do miss having Lauren here to bounce back and forth, but this is kind of a way to just, you know, impart a little bit more of the self-coaching philosophy. And if I were to sum it all up, I would say, remember, it starts with insecurity. It then goes to the natural tendency to want to protect ourselves. And we do this by trial and error, developing different controlling strategies. Controlling life is not a natural thing because life can't be controlled. So that produces stress. Stress changes our chemistry. 
depletes us mentally and psychologically. And as we become more and more depleted, we are more prone to the struggles of anxiety, depression, moods, etc. So self-trust, that's the key. Keep it in mind. Risk it. Start small. You've got to convince yourself so you want nothing but successes at first. Do this and you'll find that life becomes effortless. And visit our website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my latest number one selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, it's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. Remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren and me next week. I'm sure she shall return. And let's make it simple together. Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight.